Good evening. It's nice to be back here. Feels like I haven't been here in forever. I was able, was not able to hit uh, be here last year, uh, and uh, like I said, it's so good to be with you. Sorry. All right. My hand signals weren't working. So uh, that's, that's all right. Well, this evening uh, we're just going to dive right into it. Uh, John, uh, John chapter ten, we're going to look at just a few verses this evening because when I was given this, like like Doug said, you can bite off more than you can chew, and it, this is this is deep, and I think it's it's better to deal with verses, maybe a few verses at a time, and that uh, maybe that uh, that's the approach I'm going to take this evening. Uh, John chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 15. 11 through 15. In this lesson, we're going to understand that we have a good shepherd who watches over us. He watches over us. And tonight's lesson is Jesus the good shepherd. Okay. Um, uh, we will also see that, uh, that we have a loving shepherd. We have a loving shepherd. You know, what do we know about shepherds? What do we know about shepherds? Uh, you know, they, they tended the sheep. Uh, what other things did they do? Did they they took care of their surroundings as well? Kept things away. Uh, they protected the sheep from harm. Uh, are there any other things that <clears throat> that might have that a shepherd might have done that you can think of? Another thing that I I say that they protect the sheep, they protected the sheep from harm. They let them they led the flock to pasture. They let them to pasture. So we know. Uh, and what are, what do we have shepherds in the church today? And what do they do? What do our shepherds in the church today do? What or what 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 is their uh, what do they do for us? Plenty. They they lead us. They lead us. They watch over our congregation and make sure we stay on the straight and narrow path. That's their duties. Our shepherds also uh, make sure that we are doctrinally sound. <clears throat> so this evening we're going to look at uh, John chapter 10 verses 11 through 15. John chapter 10 verses 11 through 15. And we'll just, I'll just go ahead and read this. I am the good shepherd... The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Well, point number one this evening is we have Jesus who is the good shepherd. We have Jesus who is the good shepherd. You know, I wonder at times, you know, as sheep, are we following God's word or are we aware of false doctrine? Are we aware of false doctrine around us, around us, even within the church today? Are we aware of that? You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. The Bible reads, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. 
Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. You know, uh, it said back there, have great patience. Why is it hard for us to have patience? Why is it hard for us to have patience? You know, we, we deal with people each and every day, but we must have patience. Patience with ourselves, patience with others. But why is it, why is it hard to have patience? Why, why is it hard? Why do we have a, why, why is it a hard concept for us to grasp to have patience with well each and every one with us, with each other? Why is that hard? People want it right now. That's right. They want it right now. And we don't understand why everybody doesn't understand the way we understand when we understand it. It's like, what's wrong with you? I get this, what's wrong with you? Yes. You know, those who need to be taught the right way, you know, those, uh, we know that there is false doctrine around us. We know that. Uh, But we must preach the word and have great patience with those who need to be taught the right way of doing things. We need to have patience with those who, who, who are maybe erring in their way. We need to have patience with those people. Point number two this evening. I am the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. We know that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for all mankind by dying on the cross. You know, his blood that he shed, it frees us from sin. His blood frees us from sin. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. 1 John chapter 1. Verses 5 through 10. The Bible reads This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Jesus' blood continually cleanses us if we truly repent and change our ways. We must be truthful with God, and we must be truthful with ourselves. We must be truthful with ourselves, because no, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. You know, we all fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have fallen short. You know, if Jesus laid down His life for us. If Jesus laid down His life for us, then what do we need to do? 
What do we need to do? We need to have the same attitude toward our brothers and sisters that we're willing to put them first. That's right. That's right. So we must follow His example. We must follow Jesus' example. You know, love has a lot to do with Christianity. Love has a lot to do with Christianity. You know, in First John chapter, 15, no, I'm sorry, John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. I might be stepping on another speaker's verses here, but <clears throat> John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, and this is Jesus to the disciples. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I just as I have loved us greater love has no one than this that no one lay down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what I command you you know love is talked about plenty love is talked about plenty in the bible you know that must mean that it's something we should practice if it's mentioned several times then it's something that we should practice. Jesus sacrificed himself for all of us. So how how can we excuse me, how can we lay our lives down for our friends? How can we do that? How can we lay our lives down for our friends? Be of service. Be of service. Absolutely. Be of service. We must give ourselves to those around us. We must give ourselves to those. Does somebody have something, something to say? I have my hand up. I'm sorry. Back to your other point, we need to have patience with them. Yes. Yes. But we must we must give ourselves, give of ourselves and to those around us. In Galatians chapter six and verse ten. Galatians chapter six and verse ten. <clears throat> Should be familiar with this one. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. How does it make you feel? Uh, to do something for someone else. How does it make you feel? Feel good, feel good yeah. Absolutely. Do what? It gives you purpose. Gives us purpose, yes. Yes. What we call the golden rule is do unto others we have done unto us. And sometimes when people when people get in our grill, as it were, you know, we, we all need to stand back and say, okay, how do I want to be approached? How would I treat somebody who approached me this way? How, how is it I want people to treat me? If I want people to, to come to me if they have a problem with me rather than telling everybody else, that's what I need to do to them. It's a, we need to understand that we're all on the same page here. We're all sinners. We're all cleansed by the blood. And none of us are perfect, like you said. And we need to be patient with one another and try to treat one another the way we would want that person to treat me if the roles were reversed. I think that's one of the biggest keys to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any other comments on this? You know, we don't know the effect that when we do something for someone, 
we don't know the effect behind it. it it may trigger them to want to be part of that you know uh, so we we don't know the impact that we're going to have by doing something for someone else it may impact them to want to do the same thing for another person <clears throat> but it, uh, it might make them question their spiritual life even you know, uh, they want something. They know that you're different. They see that you're different. They may want to be a part of that. We are always examples, whether we like it or not. And that's the way it is. We don't have that choice. We are always examples. People are always watching. You know, we we need to remember. You know, uh, we need to we need to remember that we shouldn't take the glory in things when we when we do for others. We shouldn't take that glory. Where does the glory go? It goes to God. The glory goes to God. <clears throat> Third point this evening talks about and uh, John chapter ten deals with uh, verses twelve and thirteen. Talks about the hired hand. Talks about the hired hand there. In verse 12 uh, says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. You know, as I was looking at this, uh, are we like the hired hand at times? Are we like the hired hand? Are we the hired hand? Do we run when we see trouble coming? Do we run when we see things that might come to arise? You know, we, we know things need to be addressed in the church. There's things that need to be addressed. And, the, and we need to let the scriptures speak for themselves. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And this is a good start. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You know, some things... Some things go on that need to be corrected. Some things go on that, that must be corrected. I don't know about you, but I would rather be corrected than to be doing something wrong. You know, um, but we don't make it easy sometimes. We get defensive when, when somebody tells us we're doing something wrong. You know, we kind of tend to go back to our teenage years. You know, uh, we, uh, we can say that we revert back to those years because probably most of us were a little rebellious. You know, and, uh, and we didn't like to be corrected. And we didn't like discipline. We didn't like to be disciplined. But you know, in the long run, we are better people for it now. We don't see that outcome until years later. You know, and we should all go back and thank our parents for the good raising. You know, because we are we are we we are blessed. We are blessed to have parents. Just I wanted to to go back to the hireling thing. Karen and I were converted in 1985. Mm -hmm. We've been Christians now for over 30 years. 
been in congregations in a number of places in the United States. And over the course of those congregations, I think one of the biggest issues, the biggest problems was just exactly what you're talking about with hiring. There were problems in the church that nobody wanted to address. People thought that in, in some of those situations, some of those congregations, people thought, not going to rock the boat, not going to upset the apple cart, just let it go. It's better to keep the peace and not deal with it. Well, that always comes back to bite you because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And it's like a hireling sees danger and says, I'm not going to deal with it. It's easier to just run the other direction, turn the other way, not look at it, not deal with it. Sometimes when you have to deal with false doctrine, there's going to be a drop in the attendance. And some people are just, I'm not going to do that. It's easier to just maintain the status quo, keep going, sweep it under the rug, not be a problem, etc., etc. But you still reap what you sow. And... So the thing about being a, a hireling, you know, if we're truly concerned more about the church than we are ourselves, if we're truly concerned about the cause of truth more than anything else, then okay, yeah, it's going to cause a little pain maybe if we have to deal with this, but we need to deal with it. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about the truth. It's about His walk. That's what loving the church means. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes it's, it's tough love. Sometimes, it sh and it should be, because there are things that need to be corrected, and we, we have to deal with those things. Uh, but we, we need to know that it's okay. It's okay to be corrected. It's okay to be corrected. You know, we shouldn't get defenseful when, or defensive when we get corrected. <clears throat> In Second Peter chapter 2, and verse 1, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. <clears throat> the Bible reads, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. So we must be aware of false teachers and make sure what they are teaching lines up with what the Bible says. We have, and I've said this at many congregations that I preached at, don't go on what I'm telling you. Let's look at the scriptures. Okay? Let's look at the scriptures. Let's see what they say. Okay? <clears throat> but we, we, we must, um, what, what things are creeping into the church today? And this is just a question that, that we, we know that things are creeping in always. But what things are creeping in today that we know of? Instrumental music. Instrumental music. Allowing women to have a public part in like lead prayers and that kind of thing. Yes. Any others? One that we don't talk about a lot is a casual attitude. Casual Christianity. Convenience. Mm -hmm. No commitment. Yeah. Well, and I wrote a few of these down. And uh, praise teams. Praise dancing. Even heard of praise dancing. I was like, whoa. So, uh, we were, we wasn't introduced, we saw this happening, and I was like, I just had to shake my head. 
but many other things that are creeping in today. And we must, these are things that we're going to have to deal with. And if we're not dealing with them now, what about your children? What about your kids? Their kids' kids. Uh, Later on down the road, you know, uh, we're going to have to deal with it sometime. But each congregation will be held accountable for for their doctrine being taught. You know, if false teachers come in, we need to let them know that they need to be preaching the truth and not their own teachings. Not their own teachings. So many get caught up in doing things their own way, even if it's against Scripture. Why? Why do they do this? Since what they want. Absolutely. It's what they want. Is that not a type of rebelling to God? Absolutely. They they are rebelling against God. You know, we know that judgment's coming. We know that. We know that judgment's coming. Uh, it's coming one day in Matthew chapter 25. Of course, this this deals with this. And and we're going to look at a few verses there. Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to look at verses 31 through 33 there. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 33. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now I want us to go down to verse 40 and 41. The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now I want us to look at verses 45 and 46. Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Then verse 46, These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So we should want to be found righteous. How do we become how do we stay righteous by doing what the Bible tells us to do? Not what I want, but what the Bible tells us to do. If we are in Christ and striving to live faithfully, then we should have no doubt, no doubt where we will spend eternity. And so many times, maybe, maybe we worry too much about where we're going. Maybe we're not living right. Because honestly, if we are in Christ and living faithfully, we should have no worries. Yes? Verses 27 and 8 right there in John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They'll never perish. If we're listening, following, staying in lockstep, 
we should be the happiest people on the planet because we should be sure and confident of our eternity. And if we're not confident of it, we need to ask ourselves, why? Is it Jesus' fault or ours? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we find we should have confidence knowing if we are in Christ where, we, where we're going to go. The wolf that is discussed there in John chapter 10. <clears throat> John chapter 10 there in verses 12 and 13. The wolf that's discussed would mean Satan, I believe. He is, he is always at work. Satan is always at work. How does Satan manipulate us to sin? How does he do that? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <clears throat> he entices us. You know, he uh, just like he did to Eve. You know, we we can go back to, uh, in Genesis there. You know, Eve had a chance to tell the truth. And she did not. Satan lies. He lies. In John chapter 8 and verse 44. In John chapter 8 and verse 44. The Bible reads, You are of the father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Why would we want to follow someone like that? Why? So why do many people listen to him? Because he's so convincing. Convincing, absolutely. He is. He's convincing. You know, what, what does he have to offer? Like John says in 1 John, he focuses on the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, trying to lie. Yes. And that's what people are drawn to. Yes. If they don't know Scripture. If they don't know Scripture. And I think that, that may be where we're heading. A lot of people... They might be relying on the wrong people because they're not turning to the Scripture. They're not knowing the Scriptures. They're going off by what other people have told them. And some are even going off of what their preacher tells them. And like I said, we have to be careful with that. Because they, like I said, now, like I said, Doug and I, we both, we preach, but we also want you to turn to the Scriptures with us you know I, when I was in school uh, I was told when we don't hear pages turning we have a problem we have a problem when we don't hear pages turning <clears throat> everybody's got a tablet no. yeah I know it I know it I never thought I'd come to that again you know like I say that's uh, tech, technology these days 
When I think about Satan, just real quick, when I think about Satan, I think about how a fisherman uses artificial lures with a hook that is hidden in the lure. It looks so real. You get out of you get out of Bass Pro now, and you get through there, and they've got they've got some of the most lifelike lures that they have ever had. We've gone beyond the little plugs. These things are rubber, and they're ribbed, and they look like they're swimming. And some of these lures are like $13, dollars for something that's you know this size because it is so realistic in the motion and every, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to throw them and get them snagged on a tree and lose 15 bucks, but the whole point is, is they're so stinking convincing. Convincing. And the hooks are hidden in a lot of, you know, you don't see the hook, all you see is the action. Yep. And a lot with us, all humans see, we don't see the hook, we just see the action. You see the action, absolutely. Well, Satan can make things sound fun and look fun. You know, but in the end, it can lead us to destruction if we are not careful. But we know the truth because it's been given to us. Truth has been given to us. It's up to us to use, it's up to us to abide by the truth. We have that choice to abide by the truth. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. John chapter 8. Verses 31 and 32. The Bible reads, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed who had believed Him, If you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We know the truth. There are things that we must do and we can't deviate from the truth. We cannot change it because it's already been written. There, <clears throat> you know, many others, they try to do what they want to do, even if it's against the Scripture, even if it's against what God tells us to do, they try to do it anyway. You know, if we want to be lights of the, in the world, we must be different. We must be set apart. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. The Bible tells us, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It's already been perfected. Why change perfection? We can't allow our Bibles to collect dust on our shelves. We cannot do that. We, we need daily Bible study to get that renewed mind. We need that. It draws us closer to God as well. Each day we, strive, we must strive to be closer to God than we were the day before. We, we know the world tries to tell us how to live, but we must change the world and not let the world change us. We have to be mindful of that. In 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, We'll read a couple, two or three verses there. 1 John chapter 3, verses 13, 15, and 16. 
Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives, our lives down for the brethren. <clears throat> you know, that's the kind of love that we need. That's the love that we need to have for one another. You know, you're blessed here at the congregation at Cleveland. Doug, will, Doug has probably told you over and over again what a blessed congregation you, you are. You know, the last thing I want to mention here is our relationship to the Father. Our relationship to the Father. You know, Jesus knows His own sheep. Jesus knows His own sheep. Does He recognize us when we sin? Are we recognized when we sin? Do we get... It breaks His heart. You bet. The only way we are recognized is if we truly repent. If we truly repent. You know, we shouldn't jeopardize Jesus not knowing us as His sheep. We shouldn't do that. Jesus reassures us that He is the Good Shepherd. He reassures us that. He lets us know that He's willing, He was willing to die on the cross for all so all or so they could be saved from sin you know i think we could all agree that we are under the better covenant we are under the better covenant the old law served its purpose the key thing is obedience obedience jesus did the will of his father this was all in God's plan. Many times we don't understand God's plan. Why, why things happen. We don't understand those things. Why is that? Why do we not understand? You know, I don't know, uh, maybe some of us worry too much. Because we can't see ahead. We can't see the days to come. But, <clears throat> but we know one of these days all of our questions will be answered. One of these days all of our questions will be answered. Doubt is something we all deal with. Sometimes we, we must fully trust that God has the better plan for each and every one of us. He has the better plan. It's not for us to know everything. Because I guarantee you, if we all, I, the rest of the world, if they knew what day they were going to die, you think they'd be getting right with God? <laughs> Absolutely. We can be forever grateful for God and His guidance through the Scriptures. He guides us. 
You know, it's great to know that we have a Heavenly Father who hears our prayers. It's great to know that. You know, in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 29. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 29. The Bible reads, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayers of the righteous. If we are practicing things that are evil, then we better change our ways so our prayers can be heard. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. This was the choosing of the twelve. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. He spent the whole night in prayer to God. And this is just a personal question. Have you ever had something on your mind that you prayed hard all night for? Uh, things like that. There might be things weighing heavily on your mind this evening. We, we don't know. But he wanted the right men for the job. So he prayed all night about this decision. How often do we go to bed with things on our mind that we ought to pray about? And like I say, you can answer that from within. You know, and, and 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Why do we have trouble doing this? Why do we have trouble doing this? Why do we have trouble casting our cares on Him? Things are going good, too good sometimes in our in our minds. Yeah. Any other comments there? Why do we have trouble casting our anxieties on Him? Well, I believe because we may think that God has too much on His plate, because He deals with each and every one of us. Sometimes we may think that we must. Put, on, put our full trust that God will see us through on our deepest, darkest days. He will see us through. May our relationship to God be strengthened each and every day. You know, we need, we need, the Bereans, we can learn from them. They studied daily. We need that attitude. We need the Bereans' attitude. That's, that's the kind of example that we need to set as well. Comments? Questions? Well, this evening, the lesson is yours. If you haven't put Christ on in baptism, and, or if you have, and you're struggling in your daily walk, Whatever your need is, go ahead and make it be made known as we stand and sing the invitation song.